Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. That is the reality. And that is what matters. You don't matter. I don't matter. The insiders don't matter. The lawmakers don't matter. That is what and who matters, my brother. That is who is hearing the message. That is who needs to be respected. That's what's being forgotten in all this. He lies. He doesn't lie. The timeline makes sense. It doesn't make sense. He was getting tested. He's not getting tested. They're all BS. That's us. That's our frame of reference. And then you have people like her. And you have families like her all over the goddamn country. And they're watching this guy and they're shaking their head. And they're feeling insulted. They're feeling humiliated. They get added to the, you know, just the multitudes out there who feel people don't give a damn about them. Rip off my mask. Look how strong. Oh, I guess her husband wasn't, right? I guess all the dead weren't, right? Or maybe they didn't have access to everything he had and abused. But that's why I love you, brother. You, people, you bring people on like that, you tell their story, and it says everything. And it, mm-hmm. frankly, to me, it says everything about you, too. Anderson, I love you. Have a good night. Thanks, Chris. I am Chris Cuomo. Welcome to prime time. But more accurately, just welcome to the land of confusion. Is there anything more to say? Really? Do any of you not get what's happening? I know you go to your respective partisan corners, especially at this time of night, for sucker. S-U-C-C-O-R. Not S-U-C-K-E-R. I don't judge. Tell me why I'm right to hate him. Tell me why I'm right to love him. Does anybody really need to tell you anything? There he is, hair blown majestically, reshooting the scene for his own ad. I hold rallies and I tell you to ignore masks and I rip mine off as I vanquish the virus because I am a leader. Fear not, COVID. What a bunch of bullshit. Going back to the White House, if you want to know the reality, the truth, okay, The virus is the truth. The virus doesn't care about left and right. The virus does what's reasonable. You give me a chance, I'll spread. You keep away from me, you don't give me a chance, I run out of hosts, I die. I am the truth. If you're doing the right thing, you don't see me that much. If you're doing the wrong thing, you do. The White House is literally what we fear the most, a rash of contagion called a cluster. You want a metaphor, You've got a president who was a drunk driver who is pushing others to drive drunk. That's what he is. Do I want to see a drunk driver get hurt? Hell no. But I worry more about the people he hits. And I love seeing him do that victory lap in that limo. Thank God. You know why? I knew that meant he has to be okay. Not the people who were in there with him, PPE up to their nose. Now they got a quarantine. He doesn't give a damn. And now... I don't have to feign any extra measure of compassion because he went out there. Whatever happens now is on him. The White House 
is a cluster. He returned to a cluster and took his mask off. That is covidiacy. He's a covidiot. <gasps> You're disrespecting the president. No, he disrespected the presidency. All that's left is the residue of outrage because that's the only emotion I have. He does and tells you to do everything the experts say not to, even after getting the virus. See, that's the truth. There is no change. He didn't beat the virus. He's not better than anybody who didn't beat the virus or who takes time. He's not stronger than I am. He got every advantage. He has use of all the things he denies the rest of us. He's supposed to get tested every day with a test that you can turn around quickly and know what's going on. Did he do them? Did he even use what's at his disposal that the rest of us are desperate for, that our kids need in our classes that he doesn't even discuss? No is the answer. Why? Show us the results. His doctor, I don't want to go backwards. Get out of the way. Show us the results. Show us that he tested negative on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Because I'll tell you something, I'm no doctor. We're about to have Tony Fauci on in the next block. He is. You think you get sick the next day after being exposed to somebody? He would have to be so immune compromised that he'd never get out of the hospital, God forbid. So he was sick before, when? Why would they tell us? Why would they tell us? It's a mendacity machine. Kelly, I'll never lie, McEnany. That's probably the way to let someone know you're gonna lie to them the best. I tell you, I love you, honestly. Anybody says, anybody dies, somebody says honestly to you, you know they had an inclination to not be honest. But you saw him tonight, highly contagious. He has to be. It is the science of it. I know he was in the hospital. I know he had 24-hour care. I know they gave him two experimental treatments, but it was no big deal. What if that young woman's husband had access to what he had access to? What about if everybody's husband and wife and kid and son and daughter and aunt and uncle and grandparents had access to that kind of care or just tests to let them know what was going on and give them a chance to fight? How different would our situation be? The virus is the truth. And this president is a walking lie. Or as my brilliant writer says, liability. L-I-E dash ability. Good one, Susan. Why is he saluting? A salute is a gesture of respect. Literally every aspect of his pandemic experience and response exhibits disrespect. I am not upset because I am surprised. I am not upset because I am judging. I'm upset because so many of you contact me sick and desperate and scared. And I can do nothing. And this man who can do everything does nothing. It is killing me that we're in this place. It is. It is killing me. I feel so bad for so many of you. Long haulers who are forgotten. The people who called up, the floods of people all over the country on my radio show, my email, my... He says it affects nobody. What about my fill-in-the-blank loved one? I need the testing. If I could only get tests. 
my kid, my son, my daughter, they can't learn at home. They have to get back to school. If only they could get the tests, if they only they contact tracing, if they go to, they're not even contact tracing in the White House. They left their own people for dead. I know it. I've spoken to five of them. Who? None of your damn business. It's not the point. The only reason they want the information out there is so they can destroy those people. And I'm done with letting them destroy people. Me? Bring it. But enough. Savaging everybody so he can remain exalted. Even after getting COVID, he insisted on not getting the reality. It's not that bad. Feeling pretty good. Huh. I wonder why. Maybe it's that oxygen they kept getting you, giving you that you lied about. The experimental treatments that nobody else is going to have access to for who knows how long. Miracle drugs we're working on. Regeneron isn't you. It's a private company. Imagine if you had capitalized Regeneron. Imagine if you'd used the Emergency Defense Production Act and said, what do you need, Len? The head of the company that you saw on the show the other night. Then maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Remdesivir, you got to be in the hospital for that. It's not easy to get a bed. He cuts his treatment short. I'm too strong. No, you're not. No, you're not. You got carried. And thank God you did, because we only have one of you. (sighs) But the fact that you ignored the testing, you have access to testing every day, you didn't even use it. Makes no sense that he just got it Thursday. Find a doctor who shows you it makes sense. And that person is BS. My kids, your kids. This stupid hybrid learning. It's not learning, it's unlearning. No tests. One case, whole school closes down. Why? No resources. Can't contact trace. No sophistication of thought about it. No help. Imagine if we had access to what he had access to that he ignores, that he abuses. Life would be totally different. He didn't just walk into the White House one time with no mask tonight. He had his video crew capture that stupid scene again so he could put out propaganda fronting a lie to his people. Once again, just like, don't worry about the mask. Now he says, don't worry about COVID. Don't let it control your life. Just propaganda. That's all it is. I know this sound to it. I'm not going to play it for you. Why should I? How much bullshit do you need in your life? Don't let COVID control your life. Nobody wants it to control their life. They don't have any choice. Because you're not setting up communities with the testing that you take for granted. A hospital suite and 24-hour care and experimental drugs and all the best of everything all the time. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have it. I'm saying you should. Isn't that his damn job is to kill himself? You know, he loves to work. Then do the work. A leader. A leader would go. A leader would go and do everything you're not supposed to do and force people into places where they can get sick. We've never had anyone get sick. Yeah, tell it to the people in the Rose Garden, the only place we can reasonably contact trace. Who the hell knows who's at his rallies? How are you going to find them? You think they're going to come forward and say, I got sick at a Trump rally? He takes off his mask while he's still infected like that's some show of strength. It's as weak as it gets. Of course you should be afraid of COVID. It's killed more than 200,000, what, 210,000 of us. Don't be afraid of COVID. 10,000 have died in the last 13 days. Don't be afraid of COVID. It just took down the most powerful and protected person in the world. He had to go to the hospital. His continued recklessness makes it impossible to be sympathetic. 
I feel for his wife. I don't even know how she's doing. They only talk about him. He has been covering up the reality from jump. He admitted it himself on a recording that he was covering it up. And now the vice president, just when you think maybe they get it, maybe we can all get on the same goddamn page. The head of the White House, <laughs> the head of the White House Coronavirus Task Force says, I'm going to go do the rallies. I'm going to go do the rallies. He's going to do the same thing that got the other guy sick. It is the definition of insanity. The White House press secretary now has COVID. I wish her well. I wish her well. Why? Why wouldn't I? Well, she deserves it. Nobody deserves to be sick. Ah, she asked for it. Maybe so. She lies a lot. Even her statement there seems so layered to kind of hide what's true. I know. But one, I try very hard not to become what I oppose. And two, nobody benefits from somebody else getting sick. But she was out there maskless, exposed to multiple people with the virus. That's why she said to you in her statement she wasn't. <sighs> Some context. I want you to listen to something that Trump said in 2014 when doctors and reporters came back from Africa where Ebola was raging. Listen to this carefully. I consider that doctor extremely selfish who came back and then he toured New York. I mean, he went on crowded subways during rush hour, had dinner in Brooklyn, went to a bowling alley and bowled and went all over the place. That's I think right. he's a very selfish person. Well, that- they were supposed to be home, self-quarantined, yeah. except they decided to go out and, you know, have a good That's time. Soup. Oh, well, he wasn't a, you know, he wasn't what? It's hypocrisy. That's all it is. He's the president now. That very selfish person he was talking about, it's you. Now, what do I suggest we do in this moment? Listen, man, just going after what is obvious about him is a waste of our time. We have to understand that he's not getting us where we need to be. We should not be as sick as we still are. Our kids should not be as compromised. I say, and the White House agreed, to let Tony Fauci come on the show tonight. This is a man who's been quiet too much, especially over the last few days, because while we're worrying about Trump, when it seemed pretty early on he was going to be okay, listen, I was being slow on it also. God forbid. God forbid. You know, I I didn't, what our decency tells all of us. I I don't want to compromise a guy when he's in a bad way. But now he's not in a bad way. And look, and if the virus takes him down, you know, and makes him sicker again, that's on him. He's a drunk driver who tells other people to drive drunk. It's not a big deal. I do not have the sympathy for him. I don't want him to be sick, but I don't care about him. I care about everybody else who listens to him and gets infected. And Dr. Fauci is here. And we need to discuss what the reality is with this president. He's got to worry about long haul. Now, the doctor's not managing his case, which is weird, by the way. But long haul? Now, what's the concern? Vaccine? What's the real? Schools? Testing? Why don't we have better? Why isn't there more and better? That's what we have, okay? Dr. Fauci is here to have that discussion with all of us. So there he is. I will tease him, let you see his handsomeness, uh, and we will discuss. I know Tony can't hear me because he'd be smiling if he heard me call him handsome. Let's take a break. 
And when we come back, we will discuss, here it is, we will discuss what matters in this country to you and me and our families. He knows what's going on. And he will be straight with us. I give you my word. Next. Now, what matters? Well, the vaccine matters. Why did the White House slash the chief of staff, Mark Meadows, who we don't know what his testing situation is, he came out with no mask uh, to talk to the media before he posed as an anonymous source before contradicting Trump's doctor. Why is he telling the FDA they can't slow down the process of authorizing the vaccine so that it doesn't make it here in time for the election? How is that okay? Let's talk about protocols, where we are with the vaccine, schools, testing, what our future looks like. Dr. Anthony Fauci joins us now. Welcome back to Primetime. It's good to have you, uh, doctor, as always. And just to be clear, I'm not asking you about Trump's treatment because am I right to suggest you didn't have anything to do with his treatment? That's correct, Chris. I did not. I'm not involved in his primary care. Okay. Uh, Just one step forward in in terms of concern about our commander in chief. Even if he is getting better, You're going to have to keep, well, not you, they will have to keep monitoring him, right? Just to make sure there's no residual or secondary or long haul. I mean, even if you have a quick spell with great experimental treatment, you still got to be a little worried there, right? Yeah. Well, Chris, rather than worrying about the long haul, you know, we, he looks fine. As you can see the way he looked when he came out of the hospital, the issue is that he's still early enough in the disease that it's no secret that if you look at the clinical course of people, sometimes when you're five to eight days in, you're going to have a reversal. His physicians know a reversal, meaning going in the wrong direction and get into trouble. It's unlikely that it will happen, but they need to be heads up for it. He knows it. The physicians know it. uh, So they're going to keep an eye out on it. They're going to try and do that within the confines of the White House as opposed to in the hospital. But yes, You're not out of it until you've gone several days out and doing well. But he certainly does look very well. I mean, you don't need me to tell you that. You saw the way he came out of the helicopter into there. He looked like he was in pretty good shape. I love that he took the victory lap. I know you I know no clinician would like it, um, but it made me know that he can't be that sick. Uh, So that made me feel better um, for him and for the sake of being uh, hyper sympathetic. Uh, let me ask you something. How right. how big are you now on the Regeneron um, treatment? Because something helped this guy beat the curve. Yeah. You know, it very well could have been that. I mean, the, the monoclonal antibodies, Chris, are one of the things that we really are, you know, really quite optimistic about. We've had experience with other diseases. Regeneron monoclonal antibody was one of the two types of antibodies that was very successful with Ebola. And the very fact that it was successful in Ebola, another very serious viral infection, had us be cautiously optimistic Mm. that monoclonal antibodies, which are a very specific protein that the body makes that you could produce in very large amounts and infuse it into an individual by an IV infusion, has the potential to really be something very, very important in the treatment of COVID-19 patients. The president got that as a compassionate use. And whether or not it was that that got him better, I'm strongly suspicious that it was. But obviously, you can't prove that until you do a number of studies well, what else to show it that it actually works. Well, you know, it could have been he was naturally going to turn around anyway. But but when you see that kind of a strong 74 turnaround, years old, remember, and his he was also fitness? on. 
Yeah. Yeah, and you also remember he was on remdesivir. I mean, if you're asking me my opinion, yeah, yeah. I think it made a difference. But whenever, whenever you have an N equals one, you can't prove it. But I think that the monoclonal antibody made a difference. And it is in clinical trial now to try and prove definitively mm. if it works. I hope it works as well as we think it is. But I know from experience that we had in Africa with Ebola that monoclonal antibodies can really do a knockout punch to a virus. Well, good. I'm just saying, look, people need stuff out here. That's all I'm saying. If it was safe enough to give to him, I know compassionate right. use, but he's the president. It was really presidential use. Uh, I just hope that it creates emergency. Now, on the urgency side, um, doctor, I don't understand. If the FDA says, everybody said the FDA gets to do what it wants to do, the FDA won't be compromised by politics, yada, yada, yada. Now, the White House says, do not slow down the authorization. These new guidelines that might right. make it not approved before the election, no good. It's got to go. What happened to the FDA gets to do what it thinks is right? Well, it isn't over till it's over. The FDA has not actually said they're going to slow down. I mean, this is one of those things that the FDA has good reasons for doing what they're doing. They have career scientists who, who develop these kind of models of what you need to do to assure safety and to assure uh, uh, efficacy. And right now, this is what they said, and we'll see what happens. The vaccine, uh, there is a politicizing that goes on with it. To be understood, it was going to happen. Uh, nobody, you know, it's expected. But the idea that I'm going to be able or my kids will be able to get this vaccine anytime around the new year is just poppycock. Even if you have some doses, it's going to be mm. for super vulnerable. And it's probably not a one dose vaccine in its current iteration, from what I understand right. uh, from people around Operation Warp Speed. So what's the reality, Doc? Yeah. So let me tell it like it is, uh, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity. So right now you have five candidates that are in phase three advanced trials, two of which went into phase three, which is a large trial of thousands and thousands of people to determine if it's safe and effective. Two of those went into phase three on July 27th, the Moderna product and the product from Pfizer. We project that by the time we get to November or December, maybe earlier, I don't think it's going to be earlier, but it's still possible it would be earlier. But I think comfortably around November or December, we'll know whether or not the vaccine is safe and effective. I actually am cautiously optimistic from what I've seen about preliminary data in phase one, that there's a very good chance we'll have a safe and effective vaccine. They've already started to produce doses way before we'll know whether the vaccine is safe and effective. So by the time we get to the end of November, December, there should be some doses that are available for distribution. You're absolutely right. When you have a limited number of doses, like we'll have in November, December, we'll have more in January, more in February, more in March and April, et cetera. But early on, there'll be a prioritization that is essentially from advisory committees that say that certain types of people for good reasons, should have priorities. One of them will be healthcare workers. Others will be those individuals who have underlying conditions that put them at a higher risk for getting a serious outcome. Sooner or later, when you get months down the pike, you likely will have enough to get to the normal, everyday, healthy citizen who wants to be protected. That won't be for a few months thereafter. Even though there'll be vaccines there, by the time you get them out, logistically and vaccinate people, it'll be several months after that. But there will be vaccines available, likely for some people, limited amount, 
by the end of this calendar year, the beginning of 2021. Right. I'm just saying if we're trying to allay people's fears about coronavirus because there's going to be a vaccine to make it easier for us. Us is a very defined term. That's all I'm saying in terms of on the short side. And even then, it's not one shot. It's two shots. Right. Am I right about that? Right. Right. Well, there most of the uh, candidates are a prime and a boost. One of them, the Janssen product, is just a single shot. But the vast majority of them are a prime and a boost separated by anywhere from 21 to 28 days. And do you have enough for the boost on that first group? Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. All right. So do. the next concern, uh, the strategy, uh, I have not seen a redoubling of any effort to improve and increase testing capacity from the federal government. And the specific example will be schools. Uh, In reporting all around the country to random school districts, which I do literally on my own time, um, they are not hearing anything from the federal government. They are closing down schools for one or two cases. The states are trying to give them resources, but they don't know what you guys know. When will the push come to make it so that my kids aren't teaching themselves at home in a situation that sucks, Tony? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, Chris, what's happened now is is something that I'm not sure you're totally aware of, but that the federal government is essentially now going to make 150 million of those new uh, Abbott Binex. They look like a credit card point of care about $5, about 15 minutes to get the result, much more widely available for schools, for nursing homes. Several tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands are already going out there. But the ultimate goal will be 150 million purchase. And I think there'll be more after that. I'm going to be pushing for more. But the initial one they've already committed to is 150 million of these point of care credit card type tests that will be available to do the kind of surveillance that you want to do in schools, places like that. Now, uh, I appreciate it. I was aware of it. I heard that it has been about to go out and put on hold more than once by the White House. And I am told that Abbott had them. It wasn't that, well, we had to scale up. We had to get there. We weren't ready. They were actually looking for a capital infusion. They say they could have gotten there sooner, according to my sources. So again, What's taken so long? Well, you know, we've discussed the testing situation a bunch of times, Chris. Yeah, I mean, there was stinks, issues Tony. in That's the beginning. Still it's gotten better you. and better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But I hope that when we get those 150 million out there and even more, you know, Chris, I've been saying that we need to flood the system with testing. There are a couple of kinds of testing. There's the testing you do when you want to do identification, isolation, contact tracing to know that a specific person is or is not infected. Then there's another very important kind of testing, surveillance testing, getting out there, getting into the community and finding out what the level of infection is in the community and doing it on a broad scale, whether you do it in schools, whether you do it in colleges, whether you do it in factories, that's what we need to do. I'm with you. It's just not happening. And I also think that now I'm studying these other countries and I know you know this stuff, Tony. I mean, you know, I respect your expertise without qualification and I know you have a great team and I know you're seeing these same studies and hearing these other people from around the world who say, you know, the amount of cycles they do, they go too deep. 
they're picking up all this live uh, virus, but also dead virus and DNA detritus, and they're getting a positive. If they reduce the cycles, meaning they didn't look as deeply, they'd get less positives. Um, and that's how they got people back in school. And they do better with schools than we have done. And it's very frustrating because even the 150 million, who knows how long it takes to get them out there. And it seems like right. it could be better if the federal government wanted it to be better. And I don't understand what's going on. Right. You know, I'm not sure I can explain because you, you said a couple of different things there. One about the different cycles to show that someone might not be infected, even though they have a cycle that looks like it's positive. It really isn't positive because there's not a lot of live virus there. Right. That's just a different story from what we're talking about right now, Chris. What you're talking about is why don't we have the level of testing that we've always wanted? And multiple times that I've been on, I've said we are doing better and better, which is what we are. But we're not exactly where it is you think we should be and where, quite frankly, I think we should be. But it is getting better and better. As much as that sounds like another excuse, the fact is we're better off now than we were a couple of months ago. That's for sure. Let's talk Horizon. I know your time is short. Uh, what does Thanksgiving look like? Yeah, you know, it depends on where you are, Chris. I mean, I've always said I, I have an issue here because our level of baseline number of cases per day is higher than I want to see it. It's about it's stuck at 40,000. There are regions of the country that are looking good. They've done fine. But what we're starting to see now and we can't run away from it. We're starting to see the Midwest and the Northwest an uptick in test positivity which tends to be a predictor that you're going to have surges. Mm. When you go into the fall and the winter, the weather's colder. You tend to be indoors. When you're indoors, it becomes more problematic to be able to block the transmission of infection. So what I'm saying is that you ask me, what do I see for Thanksgiving? It depends. You know, you divide the country in a into multiple ways depending upon the amount of infection. There's dark green zones and green zones which are really good. In other words, the level of infection is so low, you probably, with some mild precautions, do well. Then there's areas of the country that very well might be hot. They may be red zones where there's enough infection around that you really better be careful when you congregate people, particularly indoors. So I say that some people in this country are going to be able to have a relatively normal type of a Thanksgiving. But in other areas of the country, it's going to be you better make, hold off and maybe just have immediate family. Make sure you do it in a way that people wear masks where they have and you don't have large crowds of people. You know, I'd like to say that everything is going to be great by Thanksgiving. But honestly, Chris, I'm not so sure it is. Mm. We've got to get that baseline of infection down. We're stuck at 40,000. We got to go below 10,000, way below 10,000 throughout the country. And we got to do it uniformly. I mean, I feel like... You know, I preach this all the time. The will get there if we do uniform wearing of masks, keeping distance, avoiding crowds, indoor, outdoors much more than indoors, and washing your hands. I've been with you on the show multiple times, and Not I enough. say that over and over again. I know, and if as a country we actually did it, right. we wouldn't be in the position we're in right now, for sure. Well, let me tell you. When you have the president of the United States taking his mask off, I know you're not here for, to talk about it. I know you're not a politician, but you're too honest. But when he comes and he takes his mask off, 
as he's entering a cluster facility of the White House and says, hey, yeah, don't let COVID, uh, you know, control your life. It's all, it's all pretty good. I feel better than I did 20 years ago. We wonder why we're stuck at 40,000 cases. How could we not be? We're lucky it's not 50,000. But Dr. Fauci, I appreciate your candor. I appreciate you coming on to set people straight. Uh, we are literally desperate for information that we can believe. Thank you very much. You're always welcome. I'll keep asking. Thank you. All right. Thank Tony you, Crouchy, Chris. Good stay to be healthy. with you. Thank we you need for having you. me. Always. We'll be right back. <clears throat> Lies. Lives are in danger because the White House is covering up the risk posed by the president. He's still contagious at a minimum. I hope he's well. But it's a cover-up, nonetheless, and it began the moment Hope Hicks tested positive. This isn't just the close to two dozen positives that we know about. It can't be even close to that. All, not what, 90 full-time employees at the White House residence were at risk. Not just the big names. How about the people who hold their chairs? How about the people who clean the bathroom? How about the people who give them their drinks, who go home to their families? The eight or nine Secret Service agents who flew on his trips to five states before you get to those locked in a sealed limo with him the other day. Or the Marines who fly on his helicopter. The thousands that packed his rallies while he was contagious. All the VIPs who stood on tarmacs to greet him. The Gold Star families he packed into an event in the East Room. All those people. Before you talk about him holding press conferences, you know, a member of the White House press corps tested positive. Has anybody contacted him to be contact traced? Is anybody reaching out to the people who've been sick or in the hospital? How about the debate where he skipped the planned test, where people then wound up being sick afterwards? I'm not blaming him, but it can't help, right? Let's talk the messaging, the power of the politics here. We've got Dr. Sanjay Gupta for the medicine, Anthony Scaramucci and David Gregory for what works here and what doesn't and why. So, doctor, how dangerous Evening. is it to have the most powerful man come out and say to the broadest audience, look at me, told you. Yeah, well, I think, you know, there's, there's two, two things that really struck me. One is just sort of the, the clear uh, sort of problem that he might have with people at the White House. He's walking around inside uh, without a mask on. He's got the, he's got the disease. He's got COVID-19. Uh, we know that. So he's got a contagious, potentially deadly disease. And uh, he's not doing what he should be doing, basic public health thing, to protect those around him. So, you know, I watched that video over and over again walks inside the white, he walks up to the balcony, then takes off his mask, uh, does the photos, and then walks inside. Um, I don't think put, put his mask back on. I mean, that's just, I think everybody sort of knows that by now, uh, that that's the way that you could spread the virus. Other people are wearing masks, they're protecting him from them primarily, but he who has the disease is not protecting them. But you know, the other thing, Chris, I think maybe to your question, is that he's, he, he writes this tweet, says you don't have to fear COVID. Um, you know, it really struck me because this idea, you know, that this sort of this sort of uh, idea that you're, you're propagating a herd immunity strategy, you don't have to fear it. Go ahead and get it. I got it. I'm fine. Uh, is a really dangerous strategy. And we've been talking about this for so many months. Everybody agrees it's dangerous. Um, Dr. Atlas talks about it, but when he's interviewed about it, uh, he says, no, no, I wouldn't advocate that, even though he advocates it in other ways and his writings and things like that. It could possibly lead to the death of close to two million people overwhelm hospitals. Uh, we have to fear COVID. It is a contagious, deadly disease. We will get through it, but we have to, to 
to treat it with, with uh, you know, the fear that it deserves so that we don't inadvertently uh, get too many people infected. So the, it, it, was, it was reckless but almost absurd at the end, Chris, when he just walks in without his mask on. I, I, he has this disease and he could spread it to others. David, fear is a choice. Danger is real. Now in politics, perception is often reality. He went into the hospital, he came out in no time. Yeah, 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 you could explain it by he got a lot of trip, but whatever, he still came out, takes his mask off because he's tougher than COVID. What do you do with the power of that messaging if you are running against this president? Is he not Superman? Well, I mean, you know, the point is that the president is trying to convey strength, um, which I don't think anybody but his most ardent supporters is going to think is real. When the absurdity of spending time saying, well, you know, Joe Biden is in the basement, therefore he's weak. Now the president's been hospitalized with COVID. The president who wants to make this about the strength of the economy, this campaign, this election that's a month away, it's now all about COVID because now he has COVID after not taking it seriously enough. And he's undercut his message about reopening the economy or trying to get schools to reopen because people don't know what to believe. I mean, Sanjay's right about the absurdity. He knows the medicine. How about this fact? How about the fact that you're talking to the top infectious disease specialist in America and certainly one in the world? And he has to tiptoe around the fact of the absurdity of this day because he wants to keep his job, mm -hmm. because he wants to be able to still fight this virus and not be completely marginalized by a president who won't brook anything other than total loyalty. That's what's been cultivated over the past four years. And you know, the message that the president sends is not one of strength. He's losing this opportunity to say, look, I'm doing okay, I'm the president. It's important to convey that the president of the United States is doing okay and that America is secure, that's fine. But we still have to cultivate a sense of community if we're going to bring the deaths and the number of cases to an acceptable level, which helps everybody and, by the way, would be good politics. But in his mind, it's only what can he do in, in a limited amount of time. The White House is in disarray uh, and the president is desperate and he's listening to nobody but himself and directing everyone else, despite whatever they say to him. The White House is a case cluster. That should be case closed, but it isn't. Why? Glad you asked. We'll take a break. When we come back, Anthony Scaramucci has unique insight into how people in Trump's fold are responding to this and what it tells us. Next. Anthony Scaramucci is with us tonight so that you can have a little insight into the conversations that I would bet I already own breakfast, that I will now bet lunch he and I have both had today, me by the dozen, him by the dozens. And it goes like this. I told you, Anthony, this guy, he is the real deal. He went in there, he knocked COVID on its ass, he comes out, he is the man. This was the bounce we were looking for. Masks, COVID, it's all weak, it all bows to him. He can get us through it. Well, you, you left out what they're going to say. I alone can fix it because I alone have now had this great personal experience with COVID. But, but you've been hearing it, right? Look, People not, saying, look how he yeah, did this. Yeah, of course. It's no, all look, hype. I, of course. That's, that's going to be their, their whole bumper sticker. That's going to be their whole manipulation. But, uh, 
Yeah, there's a couple things going on that has to worry them, though. The the morale inside the White House, all-time low. Secret Service is super upset. You've got staff inside the White House that I know personally that are very sick and that are very upset about it. You've got young children involved. You know, the White House press secretary has a young child. She's now got COVID as a result of listening to this nonsense from the president. So uh, the, the thing that worries me the most, Chris, and you, you, you're your, you know, your soliloquy in the beginning was great, but the, what about the people that are helping them? I mean, a demagogue can only be powerful if they have willing accomplices. And so what does it say for guys like Mitch McConnell won't come on your show, Kevin McCarthy won't come on your show? What are you guys doing? You, you swore an oath to the Constitution of the United States and to protect the American citizens. And you've got, you know, I don't know, the American Mussolini standing on the balcony. We've never had a president stand on that balcony and do what he just did. So, you know, we're going to beat him, Chris, though. You know, I mean, I, we're definitely going to beat him because he has done a great job. It's an unbelievable fact about President Trump. He is a uniter, Chris. He just happens to be uniting all of us against him. I mean, I'm teamed up with Alexander Ocasio-Cortez at this point in my life. Uh, and I just want you to think of that ideological bandwidth. And so we're going to knock them right out of the White House on November 3rd. We're chipping away in local markets. We're doing local radio, local television. We're doing Zoom calls into local markets. Some of us will be visiting those areas. He's going to lose. OK, and that's why he's acting the way he's acting. It's a combination of maybe those steroids. And it's a combination of the full on panic that he knows this thing is closing out. Do you think that maybe your emotions have kind of overtaken your intellect in terms of this degree of confidence you have, that you are going to beat somebody who has weathered every kind of mistake that has brought down any other politician ever? And not only does it not take him down, but he grows. This guy just got sick with a pandemic, told people, don't worry about it came out of the hospital, took his mask off, contagious, in a place that's completely infected, and they are cheering him all over the country. Well, you know, I would say to you, Chris, that my emotions got the best of me when I was working for him. And so you know when your pride and ego are involved, your emotions are going up and your intelligence going down. But that's not the case right now. I'm actually fairly detached from it and fairly unemotional about it. I am operating the Steve Bannon game plan, my, uh, my arch nemesis. What was that game plan? Let's hive off three to 5% of these Republicans. There are normal, rational Republicans out there that do not like what is going on. And let's explain to them that there really isn't a culture war going on. All that nonsense and that narrative about there being a culture war and people who live in the cities are going to take away your guns in the uh, Midwest or the, or, the, or the West. All of that stuff is a lie. Chris. And so we're going to be out there telling that story. And uh, the vice president's poll numbers really have not moved that much to the negative. In fact, if anything, he opened up a gap after the last debate. How is the president going to debate him live on October 15th? That's the question. And or what are they going to do? Put each other in plexiglass But should uh, they? Boots? Should they how even are, debate? We've got to get some answers uh, about that. It will be a very interesting call to see what is made there. I also want to see some polls after this event. Let's see where the, the minds and hearts of the country are right now. Anthony Scaramucci, always appreciate the straight take. Thank you for being on the show. Good to be here. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back.
What an interesting time to be alive. People suffering all over the country. No real messaging from the top that makes sense of any of it. We just all collectively watched an unbelievable spectacle. The White House is a case cluster from a pandemic that they say is not a big deal. The president had to be put in the hospital, put on two different experimental treatments, came out, took his mask off, says COVID is no big deal. Put him in the hospital, two experimental treatments. He's supposed to get tested every day. They won't tell us if he was, they won't show us that he was. How can you make sense of any of this? I just don't know, I'll be honest. I watch it all in real time, I study it, but I don't understand it. But I'll tell you someone who will try to make sense of it, D. Lemon, right now on CNN Tonight. There he is. <laughs> uh, I made sense of it from the very beginning when it was announced that he had COVID and then, well, actually the part where he was going to the hospital. It's not that hard to figure out. Um, Do tell. I don't want to get in trouble, but I'm just, I have no Too other late. way. I got to be honest. It, the, it was surprising to me that on, when this happened, that a lot of people said, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe he has COVID. I think he's faking it. I think he's going to do whatever he can to try to win the presidency. I am, you know, I, I, I'm not that cynical. I'm a cynic, but I'm not that cynical. There's also no proof of him faking it, and the opposite right. seems to have the preponderance no of proof the evidence. Of, there's no proof of any of it because he won't let the doctors give the information that the American people need to know. So, listen, I'm not saying that. But I was just surprised that in this moment, this very serious moment, this crisis, that so few people had faith in this president that this president was actually telling the truth about his health and about where this country is in this moment. And I had no doubt about this. The health thing, that's fine. I believe he has COVID. I don't know as far as his symptoms and all that, you can better speak to that. But I knew that he would take this moment of tragedy and try to turn it in, into a spectacle, as you said, as a, a reality TV show type moment that he would play, that he would push onto the people of America in order to win re-election, that he would use all the trappings of the office in order to get people to, in order to own the news cycle, in order to get people to see him as strong and that he's a president, he's gonna use Marine mm -hmm. One, he's gonna use the military, he's gonna use the flags, he's gonna go waving around in, in, in some sort of uh, one-man parade, mm -hmm. victory lap, that he was gonna, I had no doubt on Friday that he would do all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so when all of those things happened, quite honestly, I don't know if this is sad or, or bad or good. I was not shocked. I am not shocked. I am not outraged. I actually just feel sorry. I feel pity for us as the American people, especially the people who are being subject to it, having to watch it on the news when there are things. The president walking off of a helicopter and walking up a flight of stairs. What is the value in that? How about how are you going to fix the economy? How about how are you going to fix the health care system? How about all of those things that Joe Biden talked about in a town hall tonight of substance that get drowned out of the news cycle because we're paying attention to a spectacle that has no basis in reality, that has no value, nothing of substance is gonna help the American people except it's great to look at on TV because you see the White House, the flags, you see the president giving the, you know, the saluting, 
You see Marine One flying and him standing. What value is that? Except it's eye candy. And why are we falling for it? When we have an election that's less than a month away, that's what I'm going to talk about. It is outrageous. I am, I'm not, I'm not outraged. I'm not whatever. I expected it. It's just the way it is. But you know, we have an election coming up and people need to know what to do with their lives. If they're going to have a job, if they're going to be able to send their kids back to school, if they're going to, if people, I, I don't think anyone out there is as gullible as to think that if you happen to contract COVID, that you're going to have the army of doctors that this president has had, the experimental treatment. No one is going to be knocking on your door to get you experimental treatment. No one is going to be Two. picking you up from your house. Two. No one is going to be picking you up from your house in a helicopter to take you to the doctor, the best doctors in the world. And no one is going to be joking with your family about Haha, how great you're doing. I know that when I go to, to, to deal with family members and friends when they're in serious situations at, with the, in the hospital, you know what they come out and do? I need to speak. Okay, so family, I need to talk to you. Let's go over here and have a talk. And I'm going to be, listen, this is what I need to say about this is happening. The good news is this. The bad news is that. But I'm going to give it to you straight. Instead, what we got was, ha, 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 he's happy. Oh, and the guy says he's got a lot of work to do. And then he's signing Things with I, I couldn't even watch this weekend because I'm like and people were uh, texting me and, and every time they saw me like, can you believe this? And I'm like, yes, I can believe it. Why are you surprised? He has showed us who he is for decades before he even became president, when he was the fake, his own fake media person, press person, publicity person, when he pretended to be a great businessman on a reality TV show that love to fire people, when in reality he's a terrible businessman and he hates to fire people and he hands that off to someone else. He is pretending to be president and we are falling for it. That is the sad tragedy in all of this, that he has taken an American, I'm, I'm tell, I'm, this is what I just wrote in my office, right? he has taken an American tragedy and turned it into a reality show travesty. That's what he has done and we have to stop falling for it and pay attention to what is real and not just what looks great on television because it's a show. That's it. One, you better not use any of that video on the show. Two, <laughs> um, because I'll be watching now. You better not do it. I'll <laughs> no, blow I, you up I, I on need, Twitter. I needed to make a point. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't you use that video. <laughs> if it's not worth people seeing, you better not show it, even mm. with the luxury being on at 10 o'clock at night. Mm. Two, uh, you have to counter what is non-factual about something that is a deadly pandemic, especially when it comes out of the mouth of the president. So I do think I have more of a holistic approach to this, but I understand where you're coming from, and I can't wait to hear it in real time. All right. Well, I'm going to go, and I'm going to talk Please about do. It. It's your show. Thank you very much. This Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. 
Max subscription required.